David, nice to see you. Thanks for being with us. I know you're always combing through the numbers, looking at stocks and where the trends are. Right now, what is the market telling us? Well, right now, you know, it seems to me that we are a little bit, you know, just kind of standing pat here. We've had a pretty good day, a pretty good week. And so, you know, market hit this 51st high of the year. Um, and so, you know, there's no compelling opportunity, no compelling valuation. Of course, we're one day ahead of one of the biggest economic events of the year. That's the speech from Jerome Powell at Jackson Hole. What is he going to say? People are all focused about what he's going to say about the taper, but I don't think he's going to give us anything definitive. Um, there's still too much uncertainty over COVID and the Delta variant. So he's going to talk about what they may do going forward, but still people want to hear that, want to digest it, not necessarily trade in advance. Of course, finally, the big economic thing for the last 18 months has been COVID-19, the Delta variant. You know, today we're seeing less, uh, we just heard that there's less air Port travel um, this month versus last month, uh, fewer plans to c- return to work. The European Economic Union is talking about uh, perhaps not allowing uh, American visitors to fly over there. Uh, of course, they're very cognizant of the fact that we're not letting their tourists come over to, Europe, to the United States. So those are the three things I think are a little bit of caution right here. Right. Understood. And so we're not really sure what he may or may not say. I mean, it really could be a market moving event. Do you think we'll get any surprises? Uh, So I think caution has got to be the watchword. I mean, look at the setup here. They're not actually in Jackson Hole. They're doing it virtually. So for him to talk about, well, we're, we're, we see light at the end of the tunnel from the Delta variant just does not jive with what's going on. Um, and of course, remember, he's up for reappointment next uh, next year. So I think they're also going to be very cautious about laying out a new track for a long-term pivot here until they really know who the leadership is. Now, it's nice that Janet Yellen has endorsed him. There's some word that uh, uh, President Biden may move up the announcement to just after Labor Day, but there's that uncertainty now. And so I think they're gonna be very cautious about uh, getting too far out on their skis. Of course, he's part of a committee. The committee's gonna be meeting late in September. This is not the yeah. committee meeting. So again, I think it's gonna be uh, a very uh, cautious on the one hand on the other. Yeah, no doubt. But we'll definitely get a feel of his tone. Is he more dovish? Is he feeling hawkish at all? That kind of stuff. Uh, That being said, I know you have some stock picks lined up for us. I know you come through everything. Tell me a little bit about General Motors. Why do you like General Motors right now? Yeah, so, so really three reasons. First of all, I like the auto industry. The auto industry has sold off this summer. It's not been a good one. Well, why is that? Because there's a big chip shortage, which means their production capacity is diminished, which means their near-term earnings and revenues aren't going to be uh, particularly good. You, you see that whether you're looking at Toyota, Honda, Nissan, General Motors, Ford. They've all kind of pulled back. So I think it's opportune for longer-term investors because I don't think that chip shortage is going to last forever. Second, of course, is we're at the cusp of a huge EV revolution. Now, Tesla is the leader, no question about it, but they are not in a position to convert all the cars in the United States or or uh, uh, worldwide. GM, of course, had the largest market share here, about 17%. So I think there's going to be a tremendous refresh cycle over the next five years. General Motors is so well 
uh, position to, to take advantage of that because of their capabilities. Uh, their costs are way down versus, you know, uh, pre-subprime uh, crisis levels. I love the leadership of Mary Barra. Um, they've had some hiccups here with having to recall the the vault. Um, but I think they will get past that. And meanwhile, you've got a, a stock that was in the mid-60s, of course, uh, earlier right. in the year. Right now it's 48, so you got a 25% discount. And ultimately, I think they're going to reinstate that dividend. I'm not quite sure when, but that could be a okay. catalyst for a massive move up in the stock. Yeah, and people love that. I mean, they love to hear that about dividends. Tell me about Exxon. Is That so? That seems to be one that you pick, you've picked before, right? Hey, you know, how can you go wrong with a 6% dividend? Now, I know the, the other part of our strategy is sometimes it's fun to invest in stocks that other people don't like. So if people are going to ignore companies despite the solid fundamentals because it doesn't, uh, it's not in alignment with their particular worldview. Uh, I respect that, but if they're going to give us a 6% dividend as a result, that looks good. Now, fossil fuels are under pressure. There's no question about it. Exxon knows that. They're trying to work for carbon recapture and to make their enterprise more green. The fact of the matter is, though, that the preference for a green world is moving faster than actually consumers worldwide are actually going to be able to, uh, to uh, remove themselves from heating right. their homes with natural gas and using gasoline for their cars. So there's going to be less new production, higher prices. Exxon's so well positioned because they're the one of the largest in the world. Yeah. And then you have Wells Fargo and Intel. A quick thought on each one of those, please. Well, we're seeing interest rates move up this month. Um, I think interest rates will be higher over the next five years. There's no sector that's better positioned for higher interest rates than the financials. That, of course, is Wells Fargo. I think they have the best national franchise here. They've also avoided trading activity, which a lot of the New York banks are focused on, very cyclical and so forth. And finally, what's going to be the real catalyst for a much higher price for Wells Fargo is at some point they're going to remove that asset cap, which will allow them to grow. Remember. Uh, Nicole, this was a $65 stock January 2018. Right now, it's in the upper 40s. So you've got some room to go here. They just recently doubled the dividend. Uh, Intel, of course, chip shortage. <laughs> Intel is yeah. one of the premier chip players. Uh, we just saw Samsung uh, raising chip prices on what they're doing. So I think margins are going to be expanding. I love the new man, Pat Gelsinger, engineering background. They're going to reestablish their premier position. They're, they're well situated for uh, um, uh, autonomous driving, the Internet of Things, AI. They're there. And so and in the meantime, you've got a stock again that's come down from the 60s. So it's about 20 percent off a recent high this year, plus an above average dividend uh, to uh, enjoy while things work out better. All right. And emerging markets, you have EEM as your ETF pick. Tell me about that one. You know, you start with, again, with the 51st high yesterday in the S&P 500, we're looking for areas which are off their highs now that emerging markets are about 20% off. As a result, they've got a forward PE of about 14 versus 21, the S&P 500, a higher dividend yield. Yet the growth rates in the emerging countries are actually going to be faster than the United States. So what's happened here? A couple things. One is about... 40% of the index is tied to China. The Chinese market has sold off dramatically, particularly the tech stocks, uh, in some cases down 30% from where they were in February. 
We don't think that's going to last. Those companies are too strong. They're global leaders. Um, and I really don't think the Chinese government's going to want to kneecap them for the longer term. That's not the way to global supremacy. So I think with the China engine getting going and also uh, investors wanting to look for areas of the market that are not quite as pricey as our own market, I think they're going to gravitate towards the emerging markets. This ETF is a nice diversified vehicle to take advantage of those trends.